You are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. It's 6 p.m. Tuesday, September 6th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Could today be the peak of our epic heat wave? Extreme temperatures are on track to extend past the original forecast well into Friday, and we're again in the middle of a flex alert. On the California report, officials plead with consumers to reduce demand on the power grid or face rotating outages. After regional news and weather, Felton Pruitt updates us on the county's cooling center hours. Everything's hot, except the housing market. That's the view from Mark Cuniberti in today's Money Matters. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. The brutal heat wave enveloping the state is expected to last longer and reach higher temperatures than forecasters had anticipated. Temperatures are expected to range between 100 and 115 degrees across inland areas through Thursday and into Friday. And that means demand on the power grid from air conditioning will be even higher than forecast. Elliot Mainzer is the CEO of the California Independent System Operator. We have now entered the most intense phase of this heat wave. Forecasted demand is at all-time record levels, and the potential for rotating outages has increased significantly. Mainzer said overall consumer conservation needs to be down two to three times what it has been to keep the power on. Priority times for conservation remain 4 to 9 p.m., when the power supplied by solar is waning. In other news, two people have died and hundreds of residents around the town Weed remain under evacuation orders because of the mill fire burning in Siskiyou County. Jefferson Public Radio's Eric Newman reports. Usually the horizon around Weed is dominated by Mount Shasta, a 14,000-foot goliath looming east of this town of around 2,800 residents. But over the weekend, the mountain was eclipsed by thick wildfire smoke. The mill fire started on Friday afternoon near the Roseburg Forest Products mill site. Strong winds drove it north through several rural communities in a matter of hours. Roseanne Wallace lives in Lake Shastina. She and family members camped in their truck during the fire. On Saturday, she was riding her bicycle into the evacuation zone to see what was still standing. Wallace has lived in the area for 21 years. Her house is okay, but this is the second year in a row that she's had to leave because of a fire. A year ago, we were evacuated for four days because of the lava fire, and we had three days to get ready. This time, we had three hours. During a community meeting in Montague on Sunday, Siskiyou County Sheriff Jeremiah LaRue confirmed that the fast-moving, wind-driven fire had left two people dead. I can confirm that we have two fatalities. Some of you may have already heard of that or heard rumors of that. There's no easy way of putting that. Preliminary numbers suggest that up to 100 structures have been partially or completely destroyed between Weed and Lake Shastina, according to LaRue. The cause of the fire is still under investigation. That was Jefferson Public Radio's Eric Newman reporting from Siskiyou County. Down in Riverside County in Southern California, two people are dead after a fast-moving wildfire quickly exploded to over 2,000 acres. The Fairview fire burning east of Hemet started around 3 in the afternoon yesterday. Fire officials say at least seven structures have been destroyed and several others have been damaged. The Riverside County Fire Department has not released further details on the two casualties, but a third person was taken to the hospital with burns. 
More than 3,000 homes are under evacuation orders, and the Hemet Unified School District says schools will be closed today and will remain closed until conditions improve. And finally, California lawmakers last week approved a plan to extend the life of the state's last nuclear power plant, the Ablo Canyon. Many are applauding the legislature's decision to keep its carbon-free energy on the grid. But it's had mixed reactions in San Luis Obispo County, where the plant sits. KCBX's Benjamin Perper reports. Diablo Canyon was scheduled to close in 2025, but it could now stay open until 2030. While plenty of lawmakers and environmentalists in Slow County have wanted this for years, others are a little more skeptical. Congressman Salude Carbajal is one of them. He supports the legislature's plan, but he has concerns. The right decision in a crisis, if made without adequate outreach and thought, can still be a wrong one. Carbajal has repeatedly called on the state and PG&E to be more transparent and communicative about the process, from support for the workforce to upgrades to the facility to a timeline for relicensing. He also wants the utility to be more open about how it disposes of nuclear waste. I have made it clear that consistent outreach to the Central Coast on the safety and environmental concerns was necessary to accompany this proposed extension. Carbajal also says he wants to make sure that keeping Diablo Canyon open won't jeopardize other renewable energy projects in the area, especially the development of offshore wind off the coast of Morro Bay, just 30 miles north. We can't begin reversing climate change until we successfully transition to renewable energy. Residents' feelings on Diablo Canyon have been mixed here since the beginning, when construction began in the late 1960s. One outspoken local group is called San Luis Obispo Mothers for Peace, which wants to see the plant shut down as soon as possible. After the vote, the organization issued a statement saying they were stunned by the decision. So every day I look south and pray that nothing happens at Diablo Canyon, seven miles from my home. That's Carol Hisaswe with Mothers for Peace. She moved here from Tokyo, Japan in 2006. She says after the 2011 nuclear disaster in Fukushima, her fear of the plant got even worse. The longer a nuclear power plant stays in operation, the greater the risk of an accident, equipment failure, or terrorist attack causing a release of radiation. But on the opposite side of the nuclear debate here is an organization with a similar name, Mothers for Nuclear. Heather Hoff is an employee at Diablo Canyon and co-founded the group in 2016 during the original negotiations to shut the plant down. While she says she's not speaking on behalf of her employer, PG&E, she agrees with the decision to keep Diablo Canyon open. She says there is inherent risk with any energy source, including nuclear, but... It's obvious that that risk is way less than that of, you know, extreme weather from climate change and that of, like, even other energy sources, especially fossil fuels. She says that risk is worth it and that between energy shortages in the near term and the impacts of climate change in the long term, nuclear energy is still necessary and worth preserving. Nuclear energy is my hope for the future. It's my hope for how we survive as humanity on this planet. PG&E still has to go through a federal relicensing process to keep Diablo Canyon open until 2030. For The California Report, I'm Benjamin Perper in San Luis Obispo. Support for The California Report comes from Personal Capital providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals. PersonalCapital.com The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, Advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org.
And that's the California Report for Tuesday, September 6th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Turning to regional news, we've been hearing a lot about California's independent system operator and requests to reduce demand on our power system. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza talked to a PG&E spokesperson about how to survive a flex alert. The current heat wave is pushing California's power grid to its limit, and Cal ISO, the California independent system operator, has called a flex alert. This afternoon, I reached out to Megan McFarland, a PG&E spokesperson, and asked her to explain. Megan, who is Cal ISO? Cal ISO controls the state's electric grid. So they make decisions around um, capacity. So when demand for energy gets so high that they don't have the capacity to meet it, they will first ask customers in California to conserve energy, usually in the late afternoons. And if that doesn't give them the capacity that they need, then they might direct utilities, including PG&E, to move to rotating outages. But if everyone does their part and conserves energy, it doesn't have to get to that point. As part of the Flex Alert, consumers are being asked to reduce energy consumption from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. Why those hours in particular? So that late afternoon is really when we see the most stress on the grid. It gets the hottest part of the day. People are cranking up their air conditioners, and it's really putting the strain on the grid. Okay, so then what are some of the ways that people can save energy and hopefully keep these rolling blackouts from happening? So one thing customers can do is set their thermostat to about 78 degrees or higher. Every degree that you raise your thermostat helps your air conditioner from not having to work as hard. Another thing customers can do is if it happens to be cool in the late evenings, early mornings where you're located, open your windows, open your doors, bring that cold air into your home. And then when the heat of the day arrives, close the windows and recirculate that air with a fan. Anything you can do to cut down on air conditioner use is going to be um, have the greatest impact. That's Megan McFarland, PG&E spokesperson. A fire broke out shortly after noon today in a garage near McCourtney Road and Ballantry Lane in Grass Valley, resulting in a brief call for mandatory evacuations in the immediate neighborhood. After about two tense hours, the fire, which had spread to a house and vegetation on the property, according to the Union newspaper, was knocked down and firefighters were in mop-up mode. Hospitality House is on a quest to attract volunteers to help address hunger and food insecurity at its homeless shelter, Utah's Place, in the Brunswick Basin. Volunteer positions include cooking in the kitchen, grocery shopping, meal delivery, and dishwashing. Turning to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality from purpleair.com, an excessive heat warning remains in effect through 8 p.m. Friday. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley will be mostly clear, with a low around 77. Air quality index readings are in the 30s and 40s, which is considered satisfactory. Wednesday will be sunny and is expected to be a few degrees less hot than today, with a high near 104. Wednesday night will be clear, with a low in the mid-70s. Tonight in Truckee and Lake Tahoe, mostly clear, with a low around 58. Air quality index readings are averaging in the 20s. Wednesday will be sunny with highs in the high 80s, nighttime lows in the mid-50s, and a chance of isolated showers after 11 a.m. Wednesday night will be mostly clear 
with a low around 55. This evening in Sacramento and Woodland will be mostly clear with a low around 75. The air quality index is reading in the 50s in most areas, which is acceptable but could pose a risk to people who are unusually sensitive. Wednesday will be sunny and hot with a high near 109. Wednesday night will be clear with a low near 73. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. This week's heat wave has outrun its forecast and is lasting longer than expected. Nevada County's response is to extend the hours of the cooling centers that were originally slated to close this evening. Here's more from KVMR's Felton Pruitt. We're talking with Taylor Wolf. She's Nevada County's public information officer. Taylor, we talked last week because we had a big heat wave coming in through the weekend. Well, that heat wave is still here and running through Friday, so I guess you've got some new info for us. We do, Felton. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, National Weather Service Sacramento has extended their excessive heat warning for our area through Friday evening. And Nevada County, we will now be opening our cooling centers additional days through Friday. So that means that both the Grass Valley and Penn Valley libraries will remain open as cooling centers from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., both through tonight, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Do you have any information on Madeline Helling Library in Nevada City? Yeah, Madeline Helling Library will also be open during their regular hours this week. For Madeline Helling, that is 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Thursday, and again, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Friday. Now, everybody's heading to the water to try and stay cool. I guess we're going to have a lot of people there, which means there's always parking issues. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially following the Labor Day weekend, if people are still extending their vacations and taking their time off, um, we might see additional people at some of our bodies of water. And of course, that includes our beautiful South Huber River. Uh, So just a reminder to be very cognizant of the parking down there. We want to make sure that we're not blocking the roadway access in case an emergency does happen. So really heeding those parking signage that we have down at the Yuba River areas and making sure we're, we're allowing for fire trucks or emergency personnel to get down there if emergencies do happen. And then, of course, just remembering our water safety as well. You know, some bodies of water can still be quite cold this time of year. So making sure we're keeping that in mind. And, of course, if we're not strong swimmers or maybe taking a a child who's not a strong swimmer with us, making sure that they're geared up with their life jacket. Yeah, because our emergency personnel are pretty busy with all the little spot fires that are popping up everywhere. I had one uh, down in my area. We were under evacuation warning for a while this afternoon. So fire safety uh, and, and water safety, really important. Very important this time of year. You're absolutely right, Felton. It's important to make sure you're signed up for Code Red Emergency Alerts, that you know your zone um, and what it's named for when you get that Code Red Emergency Alert. And of course, that you have your go bag packed and have that emergency plan with your family in case you are getting evacuated due to a wildfire. So I was under an evacuation warning this afternoon, and I, I got that right away. What I'm not finding is when the warning is lifted. How do you find that out? 
Yeah, so evacuation warnings and orders are both lifted via code red emergency alerts as well. And so once they're lifted, if you receive that code red emergency alert for the zone that you live in or subscribe to, you will also receive a code red emergency alert letting you know that it is lifted as well. The other place you can find that information is on county or Nevada County Sheriff's social media channels. We have a lot of different channels that we use to push out emergency information on social media, including our sheriff's office, our office of emergency services, and our main county channels. We also have a really robust and great dashboard, so website information, at readynevadacounty.org backslash dashboard, and that gives you not only access to a map that has the current evacuation warning or order areas uh, noted on it, but it also has our public safety Twitter feeds pulled into it and those code red emergency alerts as well. Why don't you repeat one more time the cooling center times and locations for the folks that might have just tuned in? Absolutely. Our cooling centers have been extended through Friday at the Grass Valley and Pin Valley libraries from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. All right. That's Taylor Wolf, Public Information Officer for Nevada County. We know you're busy. Thanks for all the good hard work by everybody there. All right. Thank you, Felton. And thanks to our friends at KVMR. In this week's Money Matters, Mark Cunaberti makes the case that, despite some dominoes that are slow to fall, the real estate market is heading south. With interest rates going up, he says, it's not a seller's market anymore, but neither is it a buyer's market. It's just a mess. And this time around, Mark says, unlike the Great Recession, the Fed will not be riding to the rescue. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. The housing market is toast. Or at least I thought that. Until just last week, a friend told me that they sold their home in four days. Although my friend offed her home in blistering speed, the Fed's multi-decade ultra-low interest rates as it pertains to puffing up the real estate market is likely at the beginning of the end. The last real estate blow-up of 08 should have decimated the realtor profession and actually started to, but then the foreclosure tsunami hit America. The wave of foreclosure resales made a windfall of profits for the agencies whose deal is to facilitate the deal. Simply put, in 08, it looked as if the real estate markets was about to weed out about a zillion sales agents as home prices imploded. But then the industry started hawking at foreclosure bargain prices, the very same real estate they so feverishly hawked for full price a few years earlier. A true example of making lemonade from lemons, courtesy of the banking system and the Federal Reserve. No, it wasn't a great time to sell in 08, but it was a great time to be foreclosed on, and that meant selling all those previously sold homes now in foreclosure was about to become very good business. Why let a good crisis go to waste, right? Fast forward to today with interest rates skyrocketing and 30-year mortgages rising to ridiculous rates. It's likely neither a good time to sell nor a good time to buy, which flies in the face of what we've been told for decades. It also flies in the face of my friend's experience, but like I said, I think it's the beginning of the end. The last domino to fall being home prices, and that one just hasn't been hit yet. But the facts speak for themselves. 
Sales of previously owned homes fell nearly 6% in July compared with June, and sales dropped about 20% from the same month a year ago, according to the National Association of Realtors. Quote, in terms of economic impact, we are surely in a housing recession because builders are simply not building. That quote from Lawrence Yun, chief economist for the Realtors Association. One in five sellers in August dropped their asking price, according to Realtor.com, and the average home sold for less than its list price for the first time in over 17 months during the four-week period ending August 28th, that according to a report by Redfin. Making matters worse was Fed Chief Jerome Powell in a sobering eight-minute speech at the annual Federal Reserve meeting, all but guaranteeing higher rates will follow with what he called more pain for the economy. For the housing market, that pain won't be easy foreclosure sales juiced up by a Fed-hammered, ultra-low interest rate environment this time around. It's more like a no-holds-barred, in-your-face uppercut to the economy in the housing market. With historic interest rate increases, the likes that have not been seen since the 1980s. Like I said at the beginning of this newscast, the real estate market is probably toast, and there are no white knights wearing Federal Reserve hats that are coming to the rescue with ultra-low interest rates and ridiculous loan forgiveness programs like all the other previous housing crashes. I have a lot of real estate agent friends and acquaintances, and I have to warn that the packing you may hear in the months to follow will not necessarily be typewriters hammering out new sales contracts. Instead, it will be the 2008 and 2009 real estate chickens that finally found their way home to roost in a cratering market. With no Federal Reserve to lower rates again, thanks to the free money inflation brought to you by the decades of overspending politicians, the foreclosure signs this time around, unfortunately, will likely be on the real estate agency offices in just about every county of the country. I'm watching the market so you don't have to. That does it for today's Money Matters. And remember, this newscast is my opinion only. It is not the opinion of this radio station. Its staff members or underwriters are not meant as investment advice. I hold a Bachelor of Arts in Economics with Honors in 1979 and California Insurance License OL34249. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com where everything was free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Cooper. That's our newscast. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs every weekday at 6 p.m. Check out our website, kvmr.org, to hear expanded versions of many of our stories and interviews, or listen to the KVMR Evening News and Steve Baker's Morning Updates wherever you get your podcasts. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Gold Country Workers' Comp Center, Kyle Adamson and Kim LaValle offer 50 years of legal experience in workers' compensation, disability, social security, and more. Consultations available to discuss issue resolution. Information at goldcountryworkerscomp.com. And UBIDOT's Urgent Care. Since 2000, providing walk-in medical and urgent care, accepting most insurance. Open 8 to 6, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, Saturdays and holidays. Located in the Fowler Center, Grass Valley, 
ubidox.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Stay cool and safe and join us Wednesday evening at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News. Thank you.